The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the word of God. All right, let's pray. Ask for help. Heavenly Father, we uh, are so thankful to be in your presence as we meet in the name of Jesus. We're so thankful to have this incredible opportunity to look at your word together with your people. We pray, God, that what you have in this word would happen in us. It would happen in me. It would happen in each person in here, Lord, that your spirit would uh, move upon us again and again as you've promised to do, and we would be changed. So come, Holy Spirit, help us as we encounter your word. Do your work in us according to your word, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Got to get ready. Maybe you've wondered, like me, Why it is so easy to believe truth about God, but not be changed by it. Have you ever wondered that? Easy to believe the truth about God and not be changed by it. Now, to be honest, we tend to wonder that most about other people. (laughs) I think they believe the truth about God, but how come they're not changing? (laughs) Right? Okay, guilty. Um, But you've probably wondered it about yourself, too. I've been coming a long time. I've been thinking about it a long time. I've been reading it a lot. Why? Am I not changing more? It's, it's frustratingly easy, isn't it, to keep truth at a distance. We know as Christians, right, it's essential, precious, important to know the truth about God. Um, but it's so easy to keep that out there and not be transformed by it. And I was, let, the, let that not be us, huh? Let that not be us. Let that not be me. Let that not be our church. Let's say no. Let's, let's press in to be changed. Well, how? Uh, we've been working through the Gospel of Luke for quite some time, so many of you are probably curious as to why we are not in the Gospel of Luke today. Well, I had an opportunity in the schedule, and so I decided to take advantage of it. And here's what I want to do. I want to remind us of an, uh, an awesome, obvious secret. Now, let me unpack that. It's not really a secret, okay? It's just so easy to forget it that it seems like a secret sometimes. It's not a secret. It's obvious. It shouldn't be a secret. It's an essential key to living the Christian life. 
And it is awesome. And then I hope we can just feel and see what God has promised to us in here. It's an amazing gift that he has given us. And it's the means, a major means, maybe the major means of being changed. But let me start by just connecting our theme to today to what we've seen in the Gospel of Luke. So look with me at Luke 1.15. Uh, this first verse is a promise from the angel for telling us about Christ, something about him. Jesus will be what? What does it say? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Luke reports in Luke 4, and Jesus full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. In verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. So this is just the smallest sample size, but what do we see and know about Jesus? How is it that he does what he does? He's full of the Spirit. Now you know Luke didn't just write Luke. What else did Luke write? Anyone? Acts, and there in the story of the early church, we get to hear what the resurrected Jesus said to his disciples, Acts 1-4. While staying with them, he ordered them to wait for the promise of the Father, which he, where he said, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Then verse 8, Jesus said, you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. What is this great blessing that is coming? Better said, who is the great blessing that is coming? The Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that filled Jesus? Yes, the same Spirit that filled Jesus. And what will the Spirit bring? Power to live the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is the power to live the Christian life. You know, that's exactly what happened during the Jewish Feast of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fell on God's people. And as someone said this morning, happy birthday to the church. Anybody know what today is? It's Pentecost. So go ahead and say, uh, should we sing happy birthday? Maybe not. <laughs> but happy birthday, church, because we have the same Holy Spirit. And that's our power to change. So that's why we're in Galatians 5, where the Apostle Paul, whom we meet in Luke's book of Acts, emphasizes that the means for transformation is walking by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit. So to celebrate Pentecost today, I want to remember with you the reality of the Holy Spirit in our lives and commit to greater, more fully walking by the Spirit. So uh, here's the outline for the text today. I want to give you three motivations to walk by the Spirit and then spend a moment on how to walk by the Spirit. Three reasons to walk by the Spirit, a moment on how to walk by the Spirit. First reason, look at Galatians 5.25. It's in your book there. If we, anybody see it? If we what? If we live by the Spirit. Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So what's, what's this major step? Uh, evidently, Christians, we what? We live by the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, let me just back up the truck a little bit. I think it's important. Who is the, who is the Spirit? You remember that Jesus revealed to us something incredible, beautiful, amazing about God and um, 
What do we say? We say God is triune, right? This is what Jesus revealed to us. God is triune. He is one God in three persons. What do we know about each person? They are equal, absolutely equal in essence. Fully God in nature. So who's holy? Father, Son, or Holy Spirit. Yes. Who's all-knowing? Father, Son, or Holy Spirit. Yes. Who's God in every way, shape, or form? Father, Son, or Holy Spirit. Yes. They're equal in nature, but they are distinct in person. The Father is not the Son. When Jesus prayed to his Father, did he, our Father, and then he winked, you know, I'm really talking to myself. No. He's actually talking to a different person. They are distinct in person, but yet they are fully united in every way as one God. And we know that they, our God is a community, one God, happily giving love and glory to one another. Happily giving love and glory to one another. So a little question real quick. Is the Holy Spirit a person or a force? And don't embarrass yourself. Just kind of slowly wave your hands. How many of you think he's a force, like Star Wars? Okay, I'm doing okay as a pastor. Praise God. Okay, how many of you think he is a person? Yes, with a mind, a heart, a will, emotions, a person. Yes, he is a person, the third person of the Trinity, as we refer to him. So as you uh, go along in what Scripture says about our triune God, you see our triune God is united in purpose and yet distinct in role when it comes to saving us. So you can say the Father has ordained your salvation, right? Read Ephesians 1. He chose you. He, He sent His Son to save you. He's ordained your salvation. We also know the Son has accomplished your salvation. Who lived the perfect life you couldn't live? Jesus, who died on a cross as a substitute for you to pay for your sins. Jesus, who rose from the dead in victory. Jesus, who reigns now for us. Jesus. And then there's the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who, who, I'm sorry, applies and empowers what Jesus has done to your life, to us. He makes it happen for us. We live by the Spirit. I just want to take a few moments for you to be encouraged by your story with the Holy Spirit. Look at Galatians 3.3. Really interesting what Paul writes here. The church in Galatia is trying to get right with God based on their works. And Paul's not happy with that. Galatians 3.3, look what he says. Are you so foolish? But this next phrase is one I want to think on here for just for a second. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now perfected by the flesh? So in other words, he wants them to be perfected. I want you to be more like Jesus. Are you going to do that based on works, on human effort? No way. And his logic is no, because you begun by the Spirit. So let me just, have you begun by the Spirit? Did you have your beginning with God by the Spirit? course. What does this mean? How did you come to trust Jesus? Were you just smarter than everyone else around you? More naturally good, ethical, intellectual? Well, any, no, 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 no. Christians would say no. What happened? What happened to take your, heart, your hard heart that was resistant and your, your eyes that weren't interested? What happened to you? How did you get your beginning? The Spirit came. 
Jesus said this in John 3, verse 5. Look at John 3, verse 5. Nicodemus comes visit. John, Jesus says, let me tell you, you get in the kingdom. you got to be born again. Nicodemus, what? How's that work? Here's one thing Jesus says, John 3, 5. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he can't enter into the kingdom of God. Water and the Spirit, if you're curious, that's referring back to the book of Ezekiel, and it's basically one thing. It's the Spirit washing you. Then Jesus says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is what? Born of the Spirit is spirit. How do you get born again? The Spirit comes to you and changes your heart and opens your eyes so that you see Jesus in a new way. And your life is so different now, it's like you got reborn. That's how you began. You began in the Spirit. Moreover, look, look what else the Spirit has done for you. 1 Corinthians 6.11. Paul gives this list of practice sin, and he says, Christians don't act like this. First, but in 6.11, he says, And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and, and by who? The Spirit. Jesus washed you by his blood, true? True. Jesus made you holy through his life, death, and and resurrection. You were sanctified. Jesus made you right with God. You're innocent before him and you're forgiven. Yes, and who applied it to you? The Spirit. Church, we live by the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. I want to just press in a little more. Look at these two phrases, Galatians 3.13, Galatians 5.5. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, praise God, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. What's faith? Your active trust in God's promises. Through, what do you receive through faith in Christ, according to this verse? The spirit. Look at Galatians 5.5. See the different use of the word through just a little bit? Galatians 5, 5, through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. The first one, it was through faith, you receive the Spirit. This one is through the Spirit, by faith. Does it matter? What's he saying? You know, in Peter, we hear that God protects us through our faith. God God has given us faith. And through that faith, all the blessings of knowing him. And it's this idea that the the greatest friend and supporter of your faith is who? It's the Spirit. He started off your life in faith. And he he comes to you through faith. And even works and, and keeps you by your faith. Do you see this intimate connection you have with the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. We live by the Spirit. Even more, Galatians 4, 6. Look what the Spirit does here. This is so wonderful. Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Uh, Firstly, because you are sons, it's, it's not getting into gender issues here, the reason is, um, who is it that inherits in the ancient world? 
sons, okay? And, and who are we going to get? The spirit of his son, Jesus, the one who inherits, the one who saves. And so you are children of God who inherit all that God is. Because you are sons, God has sent, now look at this next phrase, the, the what, the who? The spirit of his son into our hearts. And now what is the cry? Abba, Father. What does that mean? What does that mean? Abba is a term of endearment, intimacy, relationship, and love. And what, is, what does cry mean? It's not just rote speaking. What is, it's, it's emotive. It's passionate. It's the shout of, I love you, Father, because I know you love me. Oh, Father, I love you. Now think with me. Who is the Spirit? He's the Spirit what? Of his Son. What has the Son of God been crying out for all eternity? I love you, Father. What has the Father felt towards his Son from all eternity? Oh, my Son. What did he say at the baptism? This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. The person of the Spirit, and many theologians have said this, is the person of the love from the Father and the Son. And then when the Father gives you the Spirit, and you're unified to Jesus, what cry now comes from your heart to the Father? It's the cry of the Son that says, Oh, Father, I love you. Do you see what has happened? I, I like to envision it like a hug. The Father God has brought you to himself with the right arm of the Lord. That's biblical Isaiah. That's Jesus. To accomplish your salvation. And he's brought you to himself with this left arm that, that likes the background a little more. He's always pointing to Jesus. But nonetheless, when you trust Jesus, you get the Spirit, and it's applied to you. It comes alive in you, and you have joined in what the Trinity has been doing for all eternity, loving and glorifying God, and it's all by grace. You live by the Spirit. The Spirit enables us to experience who we are in Christ. Last one, Ephesians 1.13. The Spirit will keep you to the end. Ephesians 1.13, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, who Jesus is, what He's done, and believed in Him, you were, what happened? Sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. What's a seal? It's preserving. It's keeping. So the Holy Spirit has come on you as you believed and said, mine, property of Jesus Christ, property of God the Father. The Spirit keeps you, and not only that, verse 14, He's the guarantee of your inheritance. This is your down payment. You're going to get to rejoice in the glory of God, and as a start, you have the presence of the Spirit in your life, and He will keep you. He will keep you. We live by the Spirit. Did you see your story with the Holy Spirit? Has He been around your life for a while? Has He been working in you for a while? Isn't He such a great friend to, to apply your salvation to you? 
So what I want to give you right now is, I don't, I don't know how you feel about your faith, but if you're a Christian and you've trusted your life to Jesus, sometimes you can feel like, I don't know if God loves me, I don't know if I'm real, I don't know if I'm good enough, but let me tell you this, if you have a true faith in Christ, we say, I need him, I need to be forgiven, I trust you. If you have a love for God, I know it's not what it should be, but if it's there and you're like, God, I love you, I want to love you more, let me tell you, you have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. Could, can we be more or less filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, sure. Can we walk with the Spirit more or less effectively? Well, sure. But does each Christian have the full-on, actual third person of the Trinity, God himself, Holy Spirit? Yes. Let me just tell you, there is no Christian that doesn't have the Holy Spirit. That does not exist. Did you know, remember what I said about the Trinity? Three distinct persons yet totally united. Listen, you never have one person of the Trinity without the other two. You think you could cut up God into a pie or something? Can you have the Father without the Son? Jesus says, are you kidding me? And the Father's mad at that idea. Can you have the Spirit without the Father? Can you have the Son without the Spirit? Which means if you trust Jesus and you cry out, Abba, Father, you have the Spirit. He is here. He is there. How should that make you feel to just let it land? Your story with the Spirit and the reality that He is in you. Things just change. The horizon changes color. You have the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. And then Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, what should we do? Walk by the Spirit. He's our life. Second reason to walk by the Spirit. Because you are free in the Spirit. Look at verse 13. You were called to what? Freedom, brothers. We just pause there and think for a minute. Freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom to what? What is he talking about? Look down at verse 18. There Paul says, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under, under what? The law. So what does the Spirit free us from? The law. Being under the law. Well, what do we mean by that? What is the law? The law is God's standard for the kind of life that pleases Him. Yeah? It's a standard for the kind of life that pleases Him. So you think, well, that's good. Why would I not want to be under that? Well, its goodness is the problem. It is good. In fact, the ultimate problem isn't with the law. It's with it's with you. It's with me. Can you keep the law? Have you looked into the law and seen how you shine afterwards? It's devastating. It's devastating. Not only that, the, the reason that you haven't kept the law is not because it's too impossible to understand or because it's not clear enough. The reason you and I haven't kept the law is because you didn't like it. You didn't want it. You said, heck with the law. And the law remains the standard. God never softens his standard. And because he's holy, his standard is always perfection. It's a beautiful law, and then there, we don't like it. We hate it. That is the core of our sin. And so we are in trouble. Look at, verse, look at Galatians 3.10. Galatians 3.10. All who rely 
on works of the law, subtext for salvation, for the Christian life, are under a what? A curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Why are you under a curse if you rely on the law to save you? Because it's not like you're getting a D minus here. It's not like you're graded on a curve. Okay? I know. Go ahead. Go ahead and think of the worst friend you have and go ahead and enjoy that wonderful feeling. Well, at least I'm not like that person. Okay, go ahead. Okay, did you enjoy that? That's not the law God's going to use. He doesn't care when it comes to that standard. His law is his perfection. And I, for one, there is no hope for me if I'm saved or changed by the law. I cannot do it because I have the sinful, warped nature. So Paul is saying here, isn't he, if you think you're right with God because you're a good person, you have no idea how much trouble you're in. Just, just be honest with yourself. If you think you're a good person, you have totally invented a new law, and it's way down here. It's not the real one. When you look at the actual law, you will give up on the good person status. We need to find another way to be saved. But this, this gets at why Paul wrote the letter. The Galatian church was trying to be right with God by Jesus plus law. Believe in Jesus and be circumcised according to the Mosaic law. Keep the law, and that's what's going to make you right. You can do it. Be right with God based on your works. And Paul says to them, you are slaves. You are slaves. Look at Galatians 5.1. Galatians 5.1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. The yoke of slavery is salvation according to the law. Why is salvation by keeping the law slavery? Have you thought about that? Have you asked yourself that question? Why, is it, why does Paul call it slavery? Well, if you're trying to save yourself through human achievement, you are going to be pressed into this self-centeredness. Reliance on self. And so on one sense, you'll either think you've done it, and then how will you feel about others who haven't done it if you think you've kept the law? Okay? You will live this life of comparison, and it will end up in self-righteousness. I did it, and they didn't. Self-righteousness and pride. Now, if you're more of a, census, a sensitive conscience, and you realize, I haven't kept the law. Many of you have that kind of conscience. I haven't kept the law. I don't keep the law. Even then, where's your focus? I haven't kept the law, and you will be constantly insecure and condemned. And your comparison will be like, I see them keeping the law, I can't keep the law. And God must not love me, he must have no hope for me, because look at what a mess I am. In either case, we are unable to be, enjoy being right with God, and have a relationship of love with him and for others. We will be slaves in that law-keeping. Have you tasted that slavery? I have. I'm not good enough for God today. Why? I didn't do it right. Didn't do what right? Right. Uh, everything. There must not be anything for me. Or, ugh, why do I have to love that person? They don't keep the law like I do. Self-focused slavery. What do we have in the spirit? 
freedom. Look at Galatians 3.11. Galatians 3.11. It is evident that no one will be justified before God by the law. So does anybody here want to try to be right with God based on your law-keeping obedience? Let's all together say no on three. Ready? One, two, three. No. No. No one's justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. Beautiful words here in 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Redeemed is a word that means to buy out of slavery. And what what was the currency he used to buy you out of slavery under the law? His blood on the cross. He redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Just pause now and think of God punishing Jesus for all the times you desecrated his law. Because that's what Jesus did for you. That's what he did for me. He took the curse to the point where there's none left, not a drop of it left. It's over, it's gone. Verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive, there he is again, the who? The Spirit through faith. When you trust Christ, the curse is over and you are set free from the law. The law has no hold on you anymore. Christ has fulfilled it in his perfect life. When you trust him, it is as if you obeyed it perfectly. Moreover, Christ has paid for every way you broke it. In Christ, you are forgiven. You are set free. And now you know God as your Father Your heart towards him is changed, and you are free to live and obey by grace. Lavish love. Forgiven when you fall. Encouraged to rise again and start again because God loves you, and you are right with him, and you are changed in him. We sang it this morning. Grace. Close me with power to do what is right. We obey by grace. It's the Spirit who has set us free. We're not scratching to earn approval anymore. We're not bitter towards a hard master anymore. We're free to live in God's grace. Isn't that beautiful? The Spirit sets us free from the slavery of the law to live by grace. So we live by the Spirit. We are free in the Spirit. What should we do? Walk by the Spirit. One more reason. Walk by the Spirit because... You change by the Spirit. Look at verse 16. Galatians 5, 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify, what? The desires of the flesh. What is the flesh? Should you think of your body when you think of the way Paul's using this word? Not not really. You can think of what you end up doing with your body. But your body itself is good. God made your body. What is the flesh? Flesh is a self-oriented, rebellious pride. A self-oriented, rebellious pride. The flesh is all about desires. Do you see that in verse 16? But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh. What is flesh really all about? desires. What kind of desires? Self-oriented, rebellious desires. The flesh is skeptical towards God and his goodness. I don't know. The flesh is 
independent from God. I'm going I'm to do this myself. The flesh replaces God with something else. And you each have the flesh. <laughs> you probably are like, that's obvious to me. Is that obvious to you? Look at this, uh, this already but not yetness Christianity. Are you a child of God fully and completely right now by the grace of Jesus Christ? Yes. Do you have the Holy Spirit right now? Yes. And do you still have the flesh lurking? Yes. Which one of you? Yes. <laughs> He's lurking. And so now you are in a battle. Paul gives us this list. It goes too fast, so I guess that's what I'm going to do. Um, look at what the flesh does. I think you can see it in three categories. Because the flesh is this self-oriented, rebellious pride, you're going to see that it takes the good things God has made and twists them for itself. You're going to see how the flesh twists the use of the body, the flesh twists worship, and the flesh twists relationships. Good things that God has given, the body, worship, relationships, and the flesh is this rebellious self-orientedness, and it twists it. So watch this. Verse 19, the works of the flesh are evident. They're obvious, Paul says. Let's walk through them. Sexual immorality, what's that? Anything that twists God's design for sex, which is a husband and wife in marriage, anything out of that, we take this good thing that God has given and we twist it. We're skeptical of God. No, that's not the way. We're autonomous, independent. I'll do it the way I want. And we twist it. It's the flesh. Impurity, desecration of your body with rotten habits and practices. The flesh. Sensuality, it's this idea of unbridled lust. You have lust here, you don't fight it. You're like, let's go. Drunkenness later on. Take a good gift and abuse it. I'll do what I want. It's of the flesh. Orgies. I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> That's of the flesh. But do you see how the flesh begins to twist the use of the body? God made your body. He made sexuality. He made these good things. But we say to God, get out the way. I'm going to do it the way I want. It's the flesh, twists the body. The flesh twists worship. Paul says, idolatry is of the flesh. What's idolatry? It's the functional worship of anything other than God. It could be an actual, you know, Baal, Asherah, another God. Or it could be money. Or entertainment. Or comfort. Anything you look to other than God to give you what only God can give. And you're going to serve that thing. Idolatry is the flesh. It replaces God. It's a self-oriented rebellion. The next word is sorcery. It's interesting to me to, to uh, learn that the Greek word here is, is where we get the word pharmacy. Why do you think that is? Well, in the ancient world, the, uh, the shamans of the time, the way to get a true knowledge of God is, hey, come do this thing we're doing and smoke a little of this too. Put this in your body and it would take you to this higher consciousness of worship. And so the sorcery is just this human effort to, to get up into the new knowledge of God. It's not biblical. And guess what it's of? The flesh. The flesh twist worship. And here's, here, here's where it really gets practical for people like you and I. The flesh twists relationships. Look at this first word, enmity. Enmity. What is that? 
and against one another, a hostility. And where does that come from, folks? The flesh. And what is the flesh? Self-oriented, rebellious pride. Do we have enmity in our relationships? Why? The flesh. Strife. Arguing and discord that comes from the hostility. The up in arms. What's that from? The flesh. Jealousy. Fighting for self. Not getting something you thought you deserved. And you're going to war for it. What is that? Flesh. That, that explodes into fits of anger. Ever had any of those? You're like, no. Remember when you drove last Thursday? Yes. Fits of anger, where it all just bubbles up, and what comes out of your mouth? We don't want to know, right? The flesh. How many of you, God, could send you straight to hellfire and damnation purely over what you've said? That's enough for me. Game's over. Fits of anger. Rivalries. Putting yourself, your group, forward against the others. Dissensions, divisions, let's make teams and fight it out to gain power. You know, who are some of the best at making dissension and divisions? Churches. Because we're full of what? The flesh. Envy, craving the position and situation of someone else, being bitter about it. What is that? The flesh. And then Paul says, and, you know, and more things like these. He didn't even finish. Does the list go longer? Okay. Can you find a little scent of the flesh in your life, even the last week? I want to challenge you to actually think about that, journal about that, pray for that. Where is the flesh sizzling out in your heart? These attitudes, these behaviors, because it's all in there, right? It's all in there. We all have it. Let's just take a deep breath and go ahead and admit it. It's like a support group. My name's Matt, right? And I still struggle with the flesh, okay? And so do you. But Paul's list here is not just to let us know how much we struggle. What is his point? Look at 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, is that an incredible promise or what? You can beat your own sinful desires because you have the best friend reality could give you. Who's your life? Who's your freedom? Who's your power to change? The Spirit is with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to hold your hand. He wants to encourage you. He wants to build you up. He wants to set you free. He wants to change you, not by works. Oh, I didn't do this right. I got to try harder. No, 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 no. In the grace of God, in the love of God to and from you, he's going to help you be free of the flesh. Now, how many of you want a little bit of that, right? Every Christian heart should go, oh, let's kill this, right? Let's kill this flesh. Let's go. We need to. We need to uh, look at verse 17. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. 
These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Look how difficult our life is as a Christian. So you're a spirit person. You've, you've been saved by the spirit as you've trusted in Christ. And so now whose desires are bumping in you? The desires of the spirit. And yet within this very same existence, what's still lingering? The desires of the flesh. So are you telling me that within your own life and thinking and feeling, you have two polar opposite desires working at the same time? And many of you are going, yeah, that's pretty much my day. It is your day. It's a war. Every day. And it is so important. It's so important. So let me just encourage you a little bit. Um, number one, what do we need to do with our flesh as God's people? What do we need to do? Later, Paul's going to say, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So we have to kill it. And what again are we killing? Attitudes, ideas, inclinations that are self-oriented and rebellious against God. We have to recognize those and let them be dead on the cross. We've got to fight our flesh. Um, so is the issue whether or not you have the flesh? Okay? So, sh so do, should you go home just totally overwhelmed that you still have the flesh and there's no hope for you? No. It's really nice to just, okay, I do have the flesh and there's every hope for me. Praise God. Don't be condemned by the reality of the flesh in your life experience. But here's the rub. Look at verse 21. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I need to unpack this word do just a little bit. I warn you, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things, what things in context? Things of the flesh. If you do the things of the flesh, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. Well, if we take that just in a wooden way, well, I guess we're all screwed because <laughs> I've done all of those. No, the, the word do means I'm going to practice and keep going. I'm not going to put up a fight. I'm going to practice and keep going. I like the flesh. I'm going I'm to keep after this. And so you see, it is a warning, isn't it? Hey, are you spirit people? Have you trusted Jesus Christ? You belong to him? What should you do with your flesh? Hold hands? No. Kill it. Not in a sense of, if I'm not perfect, God won't love me. No, no, no. You still have the flesh. But don't practice these things. Don't keep going. In other words, when you see the flesh in your life, what should you do? You got to put up a fight. You got to put up a fight. This is the way you change. So just, you know, let me ask this real quick. Why does Paul give this list of things of the flesh and then things of the spirit? Why does he give you the list? Couldn't he just say, hey, you're spirit people, spirit's in you. It'll happen automatically. Let go and let God. And you just kind of could make a room and put up some candles, some, some sensory stuff, some nice music. And we just, and the spirit could, you know. It's not what he does at all. He gives us lists, concepts, ideas, definitions. Why? 
Because the way to live in the Spirit is not to wait for some fuzzy thing, some fuzzy feeling. And it's also not to follow your own feelings. This text should make you very doubtful of yourself. Because what is lurking within your heart? Two worlds, the Spirit and the flesh. And if you follow every emotion or feeling or inclination, ah, what are you going to be hitting on a lot of times? The flesh. This is amazing what we need to do. What do we need to do? We need to back up and look at our desires according to God's word. That's why the lists are here. That's why they're here. So I can see and know what is spiritual and see and know what is fleshly. Fight the flesh. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So the, the flesh is all about passions, desires. Let's look now at what the Spirit loves. Now you've probably heard this before. Verse 22. But the what? The fruit of the Spirit. This is what the Spirit loves. This is what the Spirit wants. And it all comes out of the character of Jesus. Do uh, you think it's important that it's the fruit singular of the Spirit rather than the fruits plural? Is that important? I, I agree. It is. Why, I wonder. Here's one reason it's important. How many of you want to turn the fruit of the Spirit into like a buffet line? And you can say, well, I'm pretty good at gentleness, but self-control in my other habits, that's like steamed broccoli. Get behind me, Satan. I'll just take this. And some of you are like, I really like steamed broccoli. So you'll have this one, but you won't have that one. And you're like, well, at least I have some fruits of the Spirit. Is that how this works? You know, that's really a fleshly version of the Spirit. It, so say, say you're gentle because your core motivator is you're afraid of what other people think. Is that the fruit of the Spirit? Say you're self-controlled because you like the power that comes from the strength that's provided when you get your act together. Is that the fruit of the Spirit, self-control? No, 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 no. This is totally different. This is a singular fruit that represents the character of Jesus Christ. It's the character of Jesus Christ. Let me show you one reason we know it's a singular fruit. We know the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Look at 1 Corinthians 13.4. Love is patient. Two fruits or different sides of the same fruit? Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is kindness, and love is also kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. Hey, read this one with me. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable. Or resentful. This is the character of Jesus formed in you as you walk by the Spirit. Love. What is love? Devoting yourself to the best interest of others like Jesus despite the cost. What is joy? Happiness despite your circumstances because of what you have in Christ. We sang this. Rejoice now in my soul. Why? Christ is mine. 
forevermore. Joy, peace, the rest that comes from knowing that Jesus is in charge for your good. Patience, the ability to wait with hope because you know Jesus is working on his timetable. Kindness, goodness, the heart and deeds of generosity and blessing to others because that's the way Jesus is to you. Faithfulness, integrity that sticks with it through difficulty because who's faithful to you, church? Jesus. Gentleness, a tender carefulness with your power, your influence, mindful of others because isn't Jesus gentle with us? Self-control, focus as to what you're about for God's sake and his glory. And Paul says, against these things, there is no law. (laughs) See, I'm talking about being out from under the law. Look what the Spirit works in you. This is the heart of the one who wrote the law. We've gotten behind it. We've got under it, into Christ himself formed in us by the power of the Holy Spirit and his grace. This is the way you change. Changed by the Spirit. As the Spirit enables you to fight the flesh. That's how we change. Last point, how do we walk by the Spirit? Look what Paul says. So far we've said walk by the Spirit because he's, you live by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit because you're free in the Spirit to be saved by grace and under the law. Walk by the Spirit because that's how you change. It's how you fight the flesh. Last one, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I love this language because it kind of comes from the idea of marching together. And so who's walking in this way? Who's walking first? Yeah. Led, keep in step with who? The Spirit. Who's walking? The Spirit in this illustration. And where do you get to walk? Right next to him. He's leading the way. He's helping you. He's holding you up. He's taking you there. Walk by the Spirit, God, in you to deliver you, to aid you, to help you. Follow his lead. Follow the Spirit into where he's going. Okay, how do we do that? Well, you move to the wilderness and sit in a cave. And you wait for a dream. Except you don't. Do you think Paul's missing something mystical here? I mean, a real question. Is Paul missing the mystical answer, the fireworks answer? If you went and you did the secret super thing, you'd finally hear the Spirit? No. How do you walk by the Spirit? Paul just gave you what he wants to give you. Did you hear it? This is the flesh. What's the flesh like? Self-oriented rebellion against God. And these are the attitudes of the flesh, and what kind of deeds come out? These kinds of deeds. And so it's real clear. What is the Spirit not into? Where is he not taking you? These places. But I just feel like envy is of the Spirit right now. No. It's not. You know, love, sacrificial love, I just don't think God's leading me there. Yes, he is. He is. We walk by the Spirit into the character of Christ. So the first thing we do is we get our mind on the word with prayer. You want to walk by the Spirit? Get your mind on the word with prayer. Help me see, Lord God, what you want. Isn't this so fresh? Because what are you going to find if you look in here first? 
nothing to make any big choices on. Can't trust it. Get your mind on the word with prayer. That's step one. Step two. Now that you've had your mind on the word with prayer, get your mind on your heart with prayer. What was the flesh all about? You remember? Desires. What is the spirit all about as well? Desires. Wants. And the wants take you to different places. So if you're going to walk by the spirit, what do you need to look at within yourself? Your desires. You've got to spend prayerful time based on what you've seen in the word, measuring your desires. And you will find some things that are great in there and spirit-oriented, and may they pop and blossom and grow. And then you will find some, F-L-E-S-H. You'll find it. Look, with your mind on the word, look now into your heart with prayer. Look at your desires and where they take you, and look at, you, look at where you are now and see how your desires got you there. Can you recognize the flesh? And then now that we've recognized it, what do we do with it? Pet it? No. Excuse it? No. Do you remember what you do with it? Crucify it. Or moreover, admit that it's already been crucified in Christ. It has no power over you. So I'm stealing this next acronym from John Piper. It's so simple, I think it's helpful. How do you follow the Spirit away from the flesh and into his fruit? Aptat. Sounds like a gun or something, right? Aptat. A. What's A mean? Admit. Can you change yourself by the flesh in your own strength? No. So go ahead and admit it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I need your help, Lord God. That leads us to the P. What does that take us to? Pray. Help me. Help me see my flesh. Help me see what's of the Spirit. Encourage me. Forgive me when I failed. Help me. Come close, Holy Spirit. Come close. Help me live this out. Number three, what's the T? Trust. Believe the truth and promises of the Spirit. Is he with you and in you to help you even when you don't feel like it? Yes. He's there. Trust it. Are his ways good and life-giving? Even when it seems like love is too ridiculous, is it still the better road to walk down? Yes. Admit, pray, trust. What's the fourth one? Act. Should you love when you don't feel like loving? Should you have self-control when you don't feel like self-control? Well, yes. Act. When you don't feel like it, just remember, I still have some flesh. I still have some flesh. So I'm going to walk with the Spirit. Admit, pray, trust, act. And what's the last one? Thank. It's just this idea of praise God as he helps you and then thank him for his forgiveness when you mess up. Anybody been tripped up by their flesh again? Yeah, me. What do we do next? Remember the gospel. Remember your love. Get up and keep going. Friends, Paul's promises, God's promises, if you walk by the Spirit, what will happen in your life? You will change. You will change. Habits, mindsets, attitudes, 
can fall before the leading of the Spirit. You want to walk by the Spirit? Let's walk by the Spirit. We'll grow in loving and looking like Jesus. Walk by the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. We're free in the Spirit. We're saved by grace. Walk by the Spirit. That's how we change. Walk by the Spirit in getting your mind on the Word, applying the Word to your heart, and trusting the Spirit as you move forward in obedience. You ready to walk? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for the Spirit. We have no idea how much we need Him and what He's done in us already. We thank you for the fruit of your Spirit that's just here all around us, in our lives, in our brothers and sisters, we pray for greater strength, Lord God, to recognize and reject the flesh. Spirit, turn the alarm on when the flesh is getting too much influence in our minds and hearts, and let us remember the desires of the Spirit, who we are, children of God, forgiven, loved, saved, inheritors, and may we press in and walk in step with the Spirit who's leading us into the character of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.